Thank you guys. You guys may be seated. Thank you guys. So great. What a great night. Isn't this been a fun night? Man, we gotta do this more often. Everybody give yourselves an applause. This has been a fun, amazing night. Thank you guys, worship team. Those songs were so great. But what energy to have all the women in the house. Isn't this awesome? I love it. We, we gotta do this every month, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I'll just say that right now. But, but uh, you know, I'm just uh, so happy that we could do this a women's event. It's just been such a fun night so far. And it's going to be a lot of fun. You get to hang around afterwards. And I noticed there's a lot of talking in the hallway. It's a lot noisier when the women are together. We can't get you guys in. Nobody wants to stop talking. But uh, it's all good and it's all fun. So, But tonight, I want to talk about something that actually the women around me have heard me talk about for the last couple of years. And it's something I've been talking with them about. And it's actually them that came up with the topic of my message and the idea for behind my message. So if you don't like it, you can blame them, Emma and those guys. Um, if you do like it, you can tell them as well. But, but you know, so this is just something that's been on my heart for the last couple of years. And what it's about is about brave and strong women. And this has just been something I've been talking to the young girls and women about. I've been encouraging women to be strong and brave. And with my granddaughters, I've got seven granddaughters now. And, but just even before that, I was like, you know what? I really want to see them be brave and strong and do all that God's called them to do and not be timid or weak or anything like that. So with them, I've been calling it Adventure Girls. So I won't call you guys Adventure Girls, but with them, I've been talking to them about being Adventure Girls. And the reason why this topic is such a burden on my heart is, first of all, women are such a force. I really believe women are such a force and have such great potential. And the, the, the other thing is, really practically, we make up 50% of the world. And in some statistics, are even more than that. So if we don't take the potential and really tap the potential of 50% of the world, man, we are missing out on so much. So if we leave women on the sidelines, we're leaving so much potential for the kingdom on the sidelines. So I really feel that women need to be motivated and inspired to be all that God has called them to be. And because of this, I, you know, what I really think is when we talk about brave women, when we talk about courage, when we talk about destiny and purpose, when, you t when I talk to women about that, I really feel like there's a spark. There's something that resonates inside of them. I feel like women kind of go, yeah, that's what I want to be. That's because I really believe that's what God has put in our hearts. God has put a sense of destiny and he's put a sense of purpose inside every single woman. And every single woman in this room, I think you feel that sense of destiny and purpose. And so I really want to call that together. I really want to call that out of us tonight. Um, so I really believe God's put within us this huge desire to do something for God. I really feel like God's really put something inside of us, a sense of adventure and destiny and purpose. And I really believe God's put within us a huge de desire to do something great for him. He's really put that within our hearts. I know for me as a young child, I just felt like there was this sense of destiny and adventure and purpose. The things I wanted to do, like I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a fireman, you know, even when I was six. I just wanted to do something great. And that thing that jumps inside of you, that desire that you have, that's actually a God-given thing. That's something that God has put in you since you were very young. And the Bible talks about this in Ephesians 2.10. And I want to put the word women in some of these scriptures. It says, we women are God's handiwork, recreated, born anew, that we may do 
these good works which God has predetermined or planned for us ahead of time. We women are God's handiwork that we may do good works. God has got great stuff for all of us to do. God has great purposes and things for all of us to do. But you know what? I think a lot of time, okay, let's think about the stereotypical uh, Christian woman. When we think of a Christian women's event, I think jo- uh, Sophie was joking about that when she was announcing the women's events coming up. It's like, we're not gonna learn how to make casseroles and, and be sweet and nice. And I mean, we do like flowers, but, uh, but you know, like that, st- I don't know for you, but for me, the stereotypical Christian women is like, she lives in the, a farm somewhere and she bakes bread and she's sweet and she's nice and she does all these, wonder- she's on Pinterest and she does all these wonderful things. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing some of those things or being sweet and nice. That's a good quality as well. But, you know, that's kind of like what we get in our brain, the big hair, the whole bit that we think of for Christian women. But the interesting thing is when we dig into our Bibles, man, the women in the Bible, they're really, they're really something else. So I want to start looking at some of the women in the Bible. And um, I know that this thinking doesn't come from the Bible. When we look at our Bibles, The women in the Bible are strong leaders who risk their lives and do amazing, adventurous things. Now, first of all, think about people like Deborah in Judges who commanded armies. I mean, she was a great, great person. Rahab, who helped the Israelites climb into the walled city. She risked her life to save the Israelites. In the book of Judges, now this is, I like this story, my husband doesn't, but in the book of Judges, I had to ask him where this was. He was a little nervous, but there's a woman named Jael who took, now this is one of the women in the Bible, this is one of our examples, she took a tent peg and she hammered through the evil man Caesarea's temples, like through his head (laughs) when he was sleeping. So she, I mean, she was pretty, (laughs) she was pretty bad. So anyways, but I mean, in a good way, I don't want to say the other word, but anyway, she was a strong woman. So she took a tent peg. That's one of our examples in the Bible that she went and she saved the Israelites by driving a stake through this guy's head. And even when we talk about Proverbs 31, we always talk about Proverbs 31, that woman. She's a very strong woman. She's a very, it says she is strong. She's got strong arms and she she invests in real estate. All these great things in the Bible. All these Bible women are really strong women. And the neat thing that there's even two books in the Bible devoted to strong, amazing women. So that's the book of Ruth and the book of Esther. And so I want to talk today about the book of Esther. I want to look at one of these women of faith, and that's Esther in the Bible, as an example of what God has in mind for all women. So she's like an example for us. And Esther was a young Jewish woman. She was an orphan who was raised by her uncle. And at that time, the Jewish people were living as exiles in Persia. And through a series of events, she finds favor with the king and becomes queen. She found herself in this position of influence where she could just have kept enjoying the life of luxury that she had found herself in. But then a situation came up where the Jewish people were being threatened with destruction. So there's an edict that went out that said they were gonna be all destroyed. And her speaking up could have literally caused her own death because she was not allowed to go to the king unless she was summoned. Her uncle Mordecai, however, challenged her. I mean, she was reluctant. She says, if I go do this, I'm gonna surely die. But her uncle Mordecai, however, challenged her by pointing out that God had put her in this place of influence and that she needed to rise to the challenge. So in Esther 4, 14, it says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, now I love this last line, 
Who knows, but that you've come into your royal position for such a time as this. You know, and that's just a great scripture for women that God will put you in places for such a time as this. And at that point, Esther realized that she needed to rise up and rose to the challenge. And she said to her, her helpers, she said, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night and day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I love that last line. If I perish, I perish. What a great line. What a great way to think. This is, she's taking a risk. She's saying, I'm gonna take a risk. And if I die, I die. Now, a lot of us, we're not gonna have to die, but courage is defined as being willing to take a risk when we're really never sure of the out outcome. We may fail, and in her case, she may die. But courage is being willing to take that risk when we don't know what's gonna happen at the end of that thing. So this is what I wanna talk about. Being women of influence will step out when the opportunity presents itself, not shrinking back, but recognizing when God puts an opportunity in front of you, you go and take it. And like Esther, I really believe God's gonna put people in that, women in that position of influence for such a time as this. And God is gonna put opportunities and experiences and things for you to do in front of you. But what's the challenge? What's the challenge as women? Like, why don't we always step out in some of those things? Why don't we always step out in the things that those opportunities that come our way? What holds us back? We'll be, oh, we, a lot of times we have to overcome our fears and our insecurities and our obstacles and take, take things back. So now remember before, like I said, we make up half the planet. So this is so vital. God needs us women to step up bravely and take our place to make this world a better place and to spread the good news of what he has done in our lives wherever we go. So God really needs us to step up. We are half the planet. What an unused potential that we've had when women have held back for so long in so many ways. So we really need to step up with that and overcome some of these fears and some of these challenges that we have. So God needs us to step up and spread his news. And you know, one of the things I noticed when I was growing up, or one of the things I really loved when I was growing up, I really loved to read biographies. Anybody else love to read biographies when you're a kid? I love to read biographies. And especially, I loved reading biographies, biographies of strong women. Anybody else like that too? Just love it. You know, there's just something we can identify with. Some of these, these uh, questions that she had here, like Queen Elizabeth, I read her biography. Just really strong women, missionaries, people like that. And I was really inspired by that. And so what I want to do is I want to find some of these biographies of strong Christian women over the years. And I was amazed. I mean, there's been some crazy women that have done crazy things for God, some really strong women that have just gone out there and done really strong things for, for, for us in our history. So I wanted to find some of these, um, these brave women in history that went before us. So how has God used Christian women in history? How has God used Christian women? Have, you know, have they always just been on the sidelines? You know, no, they've been amazing pioneers in so many ways and so many ministries. So I wanna tell you of a few things, and you might be familiar with this first one, is Harriet Tubman. I think we're gonna have a picture up here. And she's from 1820 to 1913. So some people have heard about her. I think they talk about her in history books, but she was a really strong, dedicated Christian. To run away from a slave plantation is an act of bravery in itself, but Harriet did the unthinkable when she returned multiple times to lead 70 slaves to freedom and coordinate the escape of 50 more. 
So let's think about this one. I mean, we've seen the movies and they're running through the swamps and they've got dogs chasing after them. And like, they're doing all this on foot. They're going through rivers so that they won't catch the scent. So she makes it out. Now, I don't know about you, but I mean, that to me is mind boggling in itself. But then to stop and go back and get 70 other people. I mean, I just can't get my, wrap my head around that one. I mean, what? an act of bravery. What an act of bravery that's just over and above what we could even think about is to go, once you're safe, to go back and get 70 other people. That's just, that's just mind-blowing. So she's one of our greatest strong examples. Now, that wasn't enough. Besides her famous role as the Moses of Underground Railroad, she served as a nurse, scout, and spy in the Union Army during the Civil War. So she served as a scout. So you know what that means, a scout and a spy. They're going out, they're going right up to the enemy lines or going right into the enemy lines. I mean, bravery, you know, it's just, it's just mind-boggling the, the bravery she had, but she was a woman of incredible, strong faith. So, but the thing is with Harriet, she stayed true to her mission, knowing that she answered to only one master and he would approve her work. So there's lots of quotes from her, her dedication to God, her faith. The funny thing about her is that she was an unsung hero through most of her life. So it's not like she had people behind her going, yeah, go for it, you're amazing. No one knew what she did. I mean, she just did this quietly. I mean, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't social media to promote what she did at the time. She was just doing this between her and God. You know, she was doing this just for for God alone. So um, knowing that God would would approve her work. Now, there's some great quotes about her that you can look up. And she said, I prayed to God to make me strong and able to fight. And that's what I've always prayed for ever since. Isn't that a great scripture? Uh, great, no, it's not a scripture, but it's a great quote. I mean, I would want to read that one again. Where is it on? Is it on your screen up here? Oh yeah. Okay. I prayed to God to make me strong and able to fight. And that's what I've always prayed for ever since. What a great thing. Like, I want to put that on my, my car and just say, I'm going to pray that God will make me strong and able to fight, to fight. So what a great prayer, not your typical woman's prayer that you'd think of. So the next one is Amy Carmichael. And she was a single-minded woman. She set sail for Asia at eight, age 26. Now, this is 1867 to 1951. And she, you know, this is way back when it was just boats and things like that. And she lived as a missionary to, China, to India for the rest of her 83 years. Now, that's before the days of flights. She had to take a, a boat. And, you know, when you go over there, you're going to be over there for a long time. There's no coming back and forth. So she went to this faraway country where they, she didn't speak the language. And she went for years. And back then, and even up until maybe 50 years ago, children were really mistreated. They were bought and sold back in Asia. But Amy rescued hundreds of children from temple prostitution, and she loved them for the rest of her life as the children that she never had. So she had a great influence over there. So think about it. What a huge faith venture to go to this other country. You know, I don't know how she supported herself financially. I don't know how she took care of herself. But I mean, great faith of this woman. Another one that's a more recent example is Elizabeth Elliot. Now, that's in our generation, actually. She was uh, 1926 to 2015. And Elizabeth and her husband became missionaries in Ecuador. And back then, or even actually up until 50, I don't even know, 50, 60 years ago, martyrdom was a really, a very real possibility in some of the tribal areas in in South America and I know around the world. So what martyrdom is, is basically being killed for your faith. 
But Elizabeth didn't waver as her husband and four other missionaries flew away to tell a fierce Ecuadorian tribe about Jesus. However, her husband and the other men were speared to death by the tribe. Elizabeth was left a widow with a 10-month-old infant son in a foreign country. So think about yourself in that situation. You're in another country and your husband's just speared to death. You know, tragic, you know, gruesome death. So what would you do? I think probably for me, I, I would think about going back home and, and just starting life over again, but not Elizabeth Elliot. She was made of something different. She was a real adventure girl. Setting aside her grief, Elizabeth learned the tribe's language and moved to their village to live out Christ's message of love and forgiveness. Elizabeth worked first in Ecuador and later around the world to tell many that they are loved with an everlasting love, no matter what they've done. And of course, she's known for her messages. She traveled around the world with messages of grace and forgiveness. I mean, who else better to talk about that? So that's an amazing story, just of courage, man, to go to the, to the, to the tribe that had just killed your husband. And the last one is Sylvia Tarnisiru. She was 1951 to 2013, so not that long ago again. And she lived behind the curtain of communism. And Sylvia led children's Sunday school classes by day and smuggled Bibles into Romania by night. So back then, like the, with the communists, before the Iron Curtain went down, there was not, they were not allowed to have Bibles. And so she smuggled Bibles into Romania by night. With an unassuming smile and her good-natured charm, Sylvia deflected suspicion until she came face-to-face -face with the decision to deny her faith in Jesus or face persecution. So you're caught. What do you do when you're caught? You're, you know, you've got that decision. She decided to, to not, to, she chose Jesus. She decided to, to, to you know, give herself up and choose Jesus. And as a result, Sylvia was imprisoned in a labor camp under the Ceausescu regime, suffering systematic brainwashing and degrading labor. And then she had a miraculous escape to the U.S. And after that, she traveled the world despite debilitating illnesses, encouraging men and women to live on fire for Jesus, no matter what the cost. I would have loved to hear her speak. I mean, what, what a testimony. You know, first you're smuggling Bibles at nighttime, and then you're caught and you're thrown into these camps. So just what great examples of women in history that we have. And there's a lot more I couldn't include here, but look some of them up. I mean, women have done amazing things. I mean, I know in Canada, some of the women were, were pioneers in the Pentecostal churches in the small towns. I guess men didn't want to go to the small towns. So the, so the women were willing to go and they went and planted the churches. And, and there's just so many examples in our Bible of women doing amazing, great things for, for God. But the thing that we have to remember that's really important is that their brave is gonna look different than our brave. You know, not all of us are called to go across to these countries and far parts of the world, but most of us are gonna be called to serve our nation and our community. Because our city and our neighbors need Jesus. And we need to bravely step into God's plan to reach the world around us. So yeah, we're not gonna necessarily be called to those places, but we still need that element, that desire, that courage, that bravery in our day-to-day life. But remember, my brave will look different than your brave. My brave, somebody else's brave is gonna look so different than your brave, but it's all important. Everybody's brave looks completely different. Now, my brave was hearing, like when I was eight months pregnant with my third and I lived in Vancouver, my brave was being willing to pray and ask God what he, when we sensed that God was bringing a change, my brave at eight months pregnant was being willing to hear from God wherever he wanted us to go in Canada. And then my brave was also taking my six-month-old and moving to a different province where none of our family and friends were and starting something from scratch. That was my brave. 
But your brave may be taking some, doing something different. Your brave may be taking that course or pursuing a new career. I know people have gone back to school, that they've gone back to school, even their 40s and 50s and even 60s, and done something that they've always wanted to do. So that might be your brave. It's never too late to pursue that dream. Your brave may, may be like just the day in and day out. Maybe you've got a special needs child. Your brave may be that day in, day out, taking care of that special needs child and also advocating for them with the medical and other professionals for the care they need. That could be your brave. That could be the thing that you have to step up with courage to do. Your brave may be stepping into leadership at work. Your brave may be stepping into leadership in opportunities that are given to you. Your brave may be quitting your job, making do with less so you can stay at home with you and raise your kids. You know, that's, that's a brave thing to do. It's not because it's not always celebrated. Not everybody goes, wow, that's amazing. You quit your job and you're trying to live on less. But that may be your brave. It's you doing what you feel that God has called you to do. That's your brave. And over the years, we've, we've had different people just even starting ministries. Your brave may be taking that course and pursuing your dream. Your, may, your brave may be starting that ministry that's in your heart. Starting a ministry that you really feel like God's put something in your heart and starting that new ministry. Over the years, we've had people come to us and say, hey, you know what? I've got an idea. There's, some, I, there's a need in the church and I have an idea of how we can meet that need or they just see that need. And sometimes people will come and say, well, you guys do it, but that doesn't work. But you need to be willing, if God's put something in your heart to do, to step out and do it. You know, and these people who have done that, they've had to be brave. They had to, first of all, be brave that we're not gonna say, well, no, that's a, that's a dumb idea. We don't like that idea. But they've had to be brave enough to step out and share that idea. But the other thing that they've had to be brave to do is start something. You know, thinking, well, if I, you know, are people gonna come? You know, what's gonna happen? Am I gonna look silly if people don't come? But people in our church have come and said, I feel called to do this. I've got an idea. And they stepped out. And some of those ministries that people have started have been the greatest blessing in our church, have met the greatest needs in our church. So I really wanna encourage you, if God has put something in your heart, step out and do it. So that that's, could be brave for you as well. So for, this could be a risk, but you know, some of these things, some of these groups that people have started have been the greatest places where people have found connection and relationships and healing. For some of our situations, that's gonna be like Esther. God is gonna give us an opportunity. He'll put us in the right places at the right time. He put, can put you at that right place at the right time, but you gotta say yes. You know, you gotta say yes. So how do we do that? Um, I have a friend who, you know, she was at the right place at the right time. So I have a friend who got into politics and got into government. And so she just happened, she was a hardworking person, one of the hardest working people I know. She just was at the right place at the right time. And what she did is she ran in one of the elections a few years ago. And she actually just did it for practice because it was such a long shot. She thought she'd never get in. And, but you know, she was a hard worker and she door knocked and she put in a lot of time and effort. And also there's a lot of money to go into running an election. And it was all at great lit risk because this was such a long shot. But you know what? She said yes. And she was at the right, right place at the right time. And she got elected in with a long shot. All because she was willing, just willing to step out there, just willing to do it. She was at the right place at the right time. She was just willing to step through the doors that were open to her. So the same with us, we need to be willing to step into those opportunities. If an opportunity comes into your lap, be willing to step out. Realize you could be like Esther. 
that you are, you are there for such a time as this, that God is putting that opportunity in your lap. Step out and take that opportunity. But what's holding us back? What holds us back as women for stepping into those doors? There's a lot of things, but I think if you think about it, fear is probably one of the biggest things that holds us back. The things we have to face to be used of God. So what are some of these things that we face to be used of God? First of all, is the overcoming the fear of rejection. Now, I saw, heard a great TED Talk not long ago, and it was um, called 100 Days of Rejection. So if you want to listen to this TED Talk, it's, it's awesome. Just, just look up 100 Days of Rejection. And so this guy figured out, he thought, you know what? I need to go farther in my career, in my life, but I'm, a, you know, I need some skills. Like, I, I feel like I don't know how to approach people necessarily. So what he did is he came up with this plan to go through 100 Days of Rejection. So every day he gave himself something to do where he had to go up to a stranger and ask for something. So one of the things he had to do was go up to a stranger and ask for $100. You know, just randomly go up to a stranger and ask for $100. So he did some crazy stuff like that, like just bigger and small things. And at the end of the 100 days, he had some really great experiences. He, first of all, he learned how to approach people. He learned how to, um, how to just negotiate with people. He learned what worked and what didn't. But he also got, had some great experiences. Not everybody said no to him. He said, I got to ride in a police car. So he must've went up to a policeman and said, can I ride in the car? He said, sure, why not, you know? <laughs> so, but he would have missed out on many experiences. But his, his point was overcoming rejection is just kind of like a muscle that you use. You know, like he just, you know, just like he got used to talking to people. He got used to asking for hard things. He got used to negotiating, you know, and it just became easy for him. So we can learn to overcome rejection just like that, just by exercising that. So look that up. It's actually a really interesting TED Talk. What he did is overcoming rejection. So my friend who won the election, she had to do that. I'm sure she, she faced rejection. I know she's kind of a bold person, but she would have had to knock on a, a, a lot of doors. And how many know not everybody's excited to have a politician come to your door, especially if they're not from the party that you like. So I'm sure she had a lot of doors slammed in her face. And I'm sure there was a lot of people that weren't happy to see her. She had to work through this, I'm sure, every time she went up to a door. That was part of what she had to do. But, you know, it's, it's normal for us to not want to be rejected, of course. But that fear of rejection can keep so many of us from saying yes to opportunities. It can keep so many of us from holding back and just saying, you know what? I don't want to do that. I don't know these people. You know, and I hear people saying stuff like this. I hear people saying when they get an opportunity, they say, well, no, you know, I might get turned down. But, you know, this is something we can actually overcome. I hear people say, no, I wouldn't want to try that. You know, it might not work. I hear people say, I don't want to go. Here's a big one. I don't want to go. I, don't want, I might not know anybody. Um, I don't want to go to that thing by myself. Sometimes we women can think, well, I don't want to go by myself. But some of those great opportunities, we've got to be willing to step through that. And these things will hold us back from these opportunities. You know, I've got some good scriptures for you. And I think we've got some scriptures cards on the seats for you that are really going to help. So if you're feeling intimidated, Here's a scripture that will help. John 14, 27. First of all, it says, this is in the Amplified. Do not allow yourself to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourself to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. 
Well, that's quite the scripture. <laughs> Don't permit yourself to be intimidated. We just think, well, I, you know, I'm intimidated and we give into it. And actually, it's actually a Bible command to not permit yourself to be intimidated or cowardly and unsettled. And then 2 Timothy 1.7, this is a great one that you could hang up and quote. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So what's that saying? It's saying that that fear of rejection, those insecurities that we have, they're not from God. And that these are the things we need to seek to overcome with God's help. So it says, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. So what does the Bible do instead? Instead, the Bible challenges us to boldness. So once again, I wanna give you some great scriptures that you can quote. And we need to insert the, the word women in some of these. So women... This is 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 in a different version. Stir into flame the strength and the boldness. Stir up the gift of God. So stir up that gift of boldness. Stir into a flame the gift of God. For the Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people or intimidated. That's not God's desire, but to be wise and strong and to love people and enjoy being with them. God wants you to be brave, and strong and confident and enjoy being with, with people. But when I heard this scripture, I first, you know, I first, I was reading this scripture a few weeks ago and I thought, well, you know, I'm, I like people and I'm, I don't really have that issue in my life. I thought, how does it apply to me? So I really just took it to God and I said, God, am I sometimes afraid of people? And I felt God said, what about in your witnessing? You know, what about sharing your faith? And I was really convicted. I thought, you know what? When I first became a Christian, I was sharing my faith with everybody. But sometimes now it's hard. Sometimes now it's awkward. And so I'm going to get that scripture and I'm going to put that on my dash of my car where I do my prayer time and put it on my mirror. And I'm just going to say, God wants me to be able to reach out to people and to be, not be intimidated in any way. So get those scriptures out and really quote them. So I'm praying that scripture over myself now. But, um, and then the other thing I think that will hold us back is sometimes women think um, we're the only woman in the room. And so, you know, sometimes we can think I'm only a woman. I, I know last Monday, my husband wasn't in town and I didn't know anyone. And there, I was invited actually last minute to a premier's prayer breakfast. And my husband was, wasn't around and I thought, I wanna go. Like what an opportunity to go to the premier's prayer breakfast. And you know, some women would be like, well, my husband's not gonna be there with me. It's just me by myself. But you know, I don't, I never wanna turn down those opportunities. So I went there and at my table, I got sat at a table with two MLAs, uh, a mayor. And then because I was at the table with these people, then the speaker of the house came by and said, hello. And also the leader of the house came by and said, hello. You know, but all this wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have been willing to go by myself without my husband and to be there just, just to, to meet people. So, so many times we can, we can say, well, if my husband's not going, I'm not going to go. Or if somebody else is not going, I'm not going to go. We need to do, I, I know for myself, I do a lot of things my, by myself. Sometimes I have to. And the, another great scripture is Habakkuk 3, 17 and 19. I love this one. And this one's on your little cards. It says, the Lord is my strength and my personal bravery. Put that one on your mirror. The Lord is my strength and my personal bravery. So when you, you know, you're faced with something, you know, you're going to go to something important or you're going to go for that job interview or you want to step out and do something, put that scripture in front of you. The Lord is my strength and my personal bravery. The other thing I want to suggest too is just listen in your brain for the excuses. When stuff comes up, Think about those excuses that come to your mind right away. So for some people, they may think, well, I'm too young to go and do that thing. But the Bible says, do not say, I'm a youth. 
Or sometimes we may, may disqualify ourselves because of our gender. And, you know, you don't want to be the only woman in the room. I am so many times the only woman in the room because I'm a female pastor. And I mean, you know, I know a lot of the women that I know that when I go to an event, their wives are home with kids and that's fine and that's great. But for me, I feel like I got to go. And I sometimes I like being the only woman in the room because the Bible says that wisdom is female. It says that in the book of Proverbs. So I know I need to be in the room. <laughs> it's true. Um, but you know, I know that my voice is needed in the room. And I need to be there representing the, the voice of wisdom and just a whole different perspective. So don't think, well, I'm gonna be the only woman there. Enjoy that. Realize that God is putting you in that place for a very specific purpose and a very specific reason. Sometimes I think too, women think, well, I've got little kids. I can't dream that dream or do that thing because I've got little kids at home. Well, I know for me, I made a point of, I had to really work hard to get childcare. Like I said, we moved to, from BC, we had nothing. We had no, no grandma and grandpas, no aunties, you know, nobody like that. We had to work hard to get childcare for our kids, but I wanted to be in those rooms. I wanted to be the place where I could learn and grow. And so I had to make that extra effort. And it's interesting, when I was at this breakfast on Monday, I sat with a woman who was an MLA from south side of, way south of Calgary, and she had two little kids. She ran when she had two little kids, two little toddlers. They were very young. I think her kids must have been one and three or something like that. And so she drives up every week, well, when Parliament's in session, which is not the whole year, which is part of the year, but she drives up from south of Calgary, comes up and stays here for four days. I'm sure kids are well taken care of at home, but she makes it work. She said, I make it work because what I do is when I'm here, I work like till 10 o'clock every night. So she has those four days, Monday through Thursday, when, she, when Parliament's in session, she's here for those four days. But she says, when I go home, I'm really at home. I'm really present. So you can make it work. Like, don't ever think I've got little kids. I can't do these dreams that are in my heart. Let God show you how you can make it work. And the last thing, if there's something on your heart, trust God, he'll show you how to do it and how to make it work. But the last thing is about putting on the armor of God. So we said some of the things that hold us back, first of all, is rejection. But the next thing we have to do is we have to put on the armor of God. And the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and put on his armor. And what happens as soon as you go to do something from, for God, as soon as you go to do something, it's like the Bible says that the devil tries to steal the word. The sower sows, and then the devil tries to steal the word. So as soon as you get an idea, or as soon as you get an opportunity, what happens? Something comes in to try to take you off track. So something, the devil tries to come in and steal that idea out of you. So you can come out of hearing a great message or spending some time with God, and you just got great things bubbling up in your heart the devil will immediately try to steal it. So you're gonna come out of these things and the devil's gonna to try to steal the word. And the other thing that's gonna happen is well-meaning people will try to stop you from doing what you're called to do or they're just gonna discourage you in many ways. So I know for us, you know, being called into ministry, there was people that, that were trying to discourage us from doing that. You know, people that thought that wasn't a good career choice for this for us. And it's not like when you first start something, like, I mean, nobody said, you know, wow, great that you're going to Edmonton. You guys are just so amazing and so called of God. You know, people are like, yeah, yeah, maybe you could do it. You know, I mean, you know, not everybody is gonna be raw, raw. Not everyone is gonna be there just, just championing you. So we had a lot of people who questioned our college, our calling. But there may be people who even criticize you or come against you. 
And I think one of the things we have to do is we're going to get that criticism. Maybe people doubting what, what our abilities are or doubting that we should be doing what we're doing. But what the Bible says is Romans 8.31. I love this scripture because I quote it all the time. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, put that, there's another one for you. If God is for me, who can be against me? When you feel called to do something, not everybody's going to applaud. Some are going to question you. Some are going to doubt you. You won't always have people giving you that ringing endorsement that you're the one to do this thing. And subtly or not so subtly, people can say discouraging things. But you know what? People are not the problem. The, the Bible says that people are not the, the problem. It says we war not against flesh and blood, which means we're, our battle is not against Joe or whoever or these other people or our family or whatever. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers of darkness. And what the Bible says in Ephesians 6 is that we need the armor of God to protect us. It says, okay, let's read this together. Ephesians 6, 6 through 10. It says, finally, women, let's put women in there. Finally, women, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Women, be strong in your God and his mighty power. So, and it's, you know, notice it doesn't say, um, you know, be strong. I am woman, hear me roar. You know, that old song, you know. It doesn't say women be strong in being women. It says, no, be strong in the Lord. And that's where our strength needs to come from. Women, we need to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, so what do we do then? Put on the full armor of God so that when you, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. And then it says, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can ex extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So like I said before, God's gonna be putting things in your heart you're supposed to be doing but there's times you're gonna really have to fight. You're gonna have to fight the intimidation. You're gonna have to fight discouragement. You're gonna have to fight some of those voices that come against you. You're gonna have to fight in faith. Like Harriet Tubman, she had to fight in faith. These women of these women that we talked about, I mean, they, had, they were women of faith. I'm sure they had many obstacles they had to come, overcome, many things. I mean, back then, women were not encouraged to do some of the things that they're encouraged to do now. I'm sure that there were so many battles that they had to fight, but we have to get out the Word of God. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So what does that mean? We need to get in God's Word and find promises that speak to your situation and then speak the Word over your situations, over your situation. So that's why we put these scripture cards here. We know I've talked many times before about getting some sticky notes and some of these scriptures, you know, find scriptures for whatever thing that you're facing, whatever, if it's a financial thing, if it's, if it's a health thing, if it's a medical thing, get scriptures and put it all over the house. I had a friend that was going through a medical issue through some cancer and she just had scriptures everywhere. So put scriptures up everywhere. If it's a financial need, put scriptures up everywhere about that financial need. So, and lastly, so get scriptures, get the word of God, the sword of the spirit, how we do our battle is the word of God. And lastly, it says in verse 18, to pray at all times. So one of the things I do is, I, you know, I'm not great at like, you know, kneeling in my living room and praying because I always get distracted and I fall asleep or whatever, my mind wanders. So a few years ago, what I really, I felt like the Lord really showed me to do was pray in my car. You know, my car is actually my prayer closet. 
You know, my car, like, and I'm trying to train my brain. Before, I would always listen to podcasts or the radio or whatever. But now I'm trying to train my brain. And the neat thing is, you know, the Bible talks about people praying morning, noon, and night. I can do that in my car. You know, I can pray on the ride into work. I can pray when I'm going into town. So I can, I try to pray when I get in my car instead of thinking about the day and all the stuff going on. That can be my prayer time. So you can pray in the morning. And then sometimes you're taking a little break for an errand in the afternoon. That can be a prayer time. And then praying when you're coming home. So you can get three times a day prayer as you're, as you're driving. So I just want to encourage you with that. Um, I'm going to ask a couple of the ladies to come up here right now. But I really want to encourage you that, that you can have that fight of faith, that you can put on the armor of God. You can pray. And you can come over a, over a lot of things that are happening. I think they're coming. <laughs> I want to get you guys up here. But, you know, I wanted to give some perspective from some other ladies here too of, um, you know, just how they've overcome. I want to hear from, from some of these guys. But, you know, that they've, that brave women that have also, they've had to overcome different things. And like I said, everybody has a different thing that they need to be brave about. So I'm looking forward to hearing from Sophie and Jess here. And uh, yeah, let's give them a hand. So I'm Sophie. That's Jess. Um, but I'll go first. Yeah, my, thank you. That was amazing. You're welcome. Um, for me, I feel like bravery, the, the area most where I've had to practice bravery has been in how I navigate friendships and in leadership. Uh, before, this has been a real journey for me. Everything that you've been mm -hmm. talking about, facing rejection, uh, navigating the thoughts and the fears that come up in social situations and in leadership. And previously, I was a very timid, insecure person. And if I were to walk into a room, I would just go straight to the corner. Uh, if I'd go to a party, I'd go straight to the kitchen and just like try to be helpful just to kind of hide or fly under the radar. Uh, if, if things got awkward, I'm like, I have to go to the washroom. <laughs> I didn't. I was just like a place to hide. It was like where no one will try to talk to you unless you're a mom and have toddlers, but I don't know that yet. Um, I would just try to find something to do to keep myself busy. So bravery for me has, has really looked like that John 14 scripture, not, not being intimidated, not being cowardly. And I've really had to learn how to not downplay myself, how to walk into a room and not make myself small, not to just run to the corner and how to not automatically just put myself on the sidelines or diminish myself and... Mm. I've had to really challenge a lot of the thoughts that you're talking about. Like, what would people think of me? And I, I've really had fears of how am I going to come across to people if I, if I assert myself? If, and what if people think I'm obnoxious or if I'm loud or if I'm too bossy or <laughs> if I look like I'm trying to be a know-it-all? And uh, I, I really didn't want to be rejected by people. Those are the fears that would come up for me. I didn't want to be uh, thought of poorly by people. And my response to these thoughts before was just to kind of dim myself, just to, uh, and, and in result, I kind of took the joy and, and the courage that I know I can bring into a room and into an attempt to just tone it down and, and please everyone. I ended up just kind of being a watered down, ineffective leader as well as friend. And now my, my, my journey with bravery has just been learning how to lead my thoughts, uh, just choosing that I'm going to go into a room and I'm going to smile and mm -hmm. I'm not going to hide in the corner uh, and just having confidence about the dynamic that I do bring into a room, that I'm going to walk into a room with an attitude that says I'm here to serve others. I'm here to speak words of life, uh, that my intention going into a room is going to be how can I 
encourage someone else? How can I serve other people? And I've had to shut down those thoughts of insecurity and, and fear and choose that. Uh, I'm not going to walk into the room with them. And sometimes I have to verbally tell myself, I'm leaving this at the door. Like the, the insecurity I'm feeling, the fear that I'm, it, it's not crossing over this door once I step in. I'm, I know that I'm going to go into the room with the presence of Jesus, that, that his righteousness, his peace covers me. Uh, like that verse said, it's being strong, putting on the armor of God and, and, and his strength. And uh, I, this has really just helped me in, in social anxiety. And, and like you were talking about, be, avoiding parties and avoiding get-togethers, avoiding people. Um, and I think it came back to me a fear of uh, having to shift for myself. How am I going to feel at that party? How am I going to feel in that meeting? How am I going to feel in that room? And instead, just telling myself, how am I going to make others feel? And just deciding that in this situation, I'm going to lead, uh, that I'm going to be a person who just brings a dynamic of joy, brings a dynamic of courage, who isn't going to let insecurity and, and doubt cross, cross into the room with me. And... Uh, Bravery for me has also looked like knowing that um, as I'm leading, I'm going to make mistakes. And uh, as I'm leading that, I'm navigating life and relationships and how to manage my own life. And that being brave looks like kind of doing that publicly and vulnerably. That's a hard one. Uh, And knowing that I don't need to be afraid of making a mistake. I don't need to be afraid of stumbling or looking weird or having a moment where I mess up. Um, And and just to shut down those thoughts for myself and just instead say, yes, I'm going to make mistakes uh, frequently and lots of them. Uh, However, I'm not going to let that dim my bravery. I'm not going to let that be something that uh, just scares me or plants fear in me that I'm going to run and hide away when I do something awkward because I don't think I'll ever stop doing awkward things. I've tried. <laughs> uh, and instead, uh, when, when you say something, when you say a joke that doesn't land or you do something weird, and to, to not uh, let that affect, affect the next time that you go into yeah. a room, to just shut the, down those thoughts and just say, I, I, I did my best or I, I served. I, I, I went in with the perspective of how I was going to serve and love someone else. And if I could just do that, um, then, then that's practicing bravery. That's good. And uh, yeah. That's good. That's I, I love that. That's, that's very good. Thank you. That's awesome. Hey, Jess, how about you? Where's an example that you have in your life? Thanks for sharing. So mm-hmm. I feel privileged to know you clo- like more closely and see that what you're talking about is exactly true. And we get like seeing, you know, the old and the new is it's really like what you're saying is, is you're living it. And I just love that you're authentic to what you're to what you say. It's not just words. <laughs> you're really living it. Um, Right now, for me, brave is mostly found in the day-to-day, the daily decisions to stay open to be used by God in, like, a lot smaller ways because I'm home most of the time with my kids now, little kids, five, two, and five-month-old baby. And um, since my oldest was just a baby, I really felt a strong conviction that raising my kids was really going to be my number one ministry for who knows how long, probably my whole life. And, but especially now while they're young and while they're home most of the time. And so it feels like bravery to me day in and day out because raising kids is relentless and it's thankless and Mm -hmm. it, it just can feel like an 
ending kind of cycle. And, you know, it feels brave to face the day with little to no sleep and a sink full of dishes and that mountain of laundry lurking in the corner all the time. But then also keeping a fresh perspective every day of the new thing that my kid is gonna say or do or learn and not get overwhelmed, even though it is overwhelming. Um, sometimes I do feel like I'm on the sidelines um, of ministry or of life simply by the nature of this season, but um, but when I, then I, that's when I need to check myself and keep my purpose ahead of me because in reality, I have the opportunity to be used by God on a daily basis and that's in the life of my kids. So, I mean, don't hear that wrong. Like as a mom, there is some real loneliness that comes with that and it can be a little bit isolating. I feel that, I get it. But, and when I say my kids are my top priority, I'm not meaning, you know, my well-being, my mental health, my marriage or friendships are all meant to suffer at the expense of them being the top priority. Um, we're talking about being used by God, not necessarily a whole and healthy, balanced life. Um, the other day we were driving in the car and the kids were watching a movie or something and so something came on, it must have prompted him because Brayson just, he's my oldest, he just spoke up and said, we don't call people names, you taught me that. <laughs> <laughs> and it struck me like how much they're soaking in all from all that time spent with me. And you don't always get a picture of what's actually going through their brain. So when he spoke up, it was really like, wow, it's like you actually hear me when I talk to you. <laughs> Like sometimes it just feels like that endless cycle of correction and feeding and conflict resolution and meeting their needs. But actually there's a lot of important conversations that are happening all the time. They're constantly tracking my actions and taking note. Like how do I treat others? How do I speak about others when they're not around? How do I speak to them and about them? And how do I treat myself and speak about myself in front of them? They see a lot more than we think. Mm -hmm. And so every time he speaks up about something, it's that reminder that his brain is processing so much about his little world through me and through my actions. And I want to be a good steward of that. I want them to know how much God loves them and how much purpose and goodness is inside of them. And um, I loved what Pastor Leslie was just saying at the end about the armor of God as we want to be used by God. Um, I found it to be really true that if I'm in a growing place and a confident place, that that's exactly when Satan wants to mm -hmm. poke at your brain and make you question yourself. And so if I don't keep on coming back to God's word to remind me of who I am and that I really can do this parenting thing well and life in general, that's when I start to spiral and fear and comparison will start to set in. Um, we're both gonna quote it. That John 14 verse was so good. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Do not permit yourselves to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. I just love how no-nonsense Jesus is, right? Like he doesn't come in to comfort or coddle yeah. us. He's like, do not let your heart be troubled. Like stop allowing yourself to be agitated. Do not permit yourself to be fearful. That's a lot of choices we have to make and they're brave choices. And I think like fear is so prevalent in parenting. I mean, it's a scary thing. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of, like, I'm responsible for these little people and to keep them safe and to help them become quality people that are gonna go out into the world. 
that's super intimidating to send them out without me. Like, you mean I'm not going to hold their hand to the door at school for the next 12 years? Like, I have to let them go do things by themselves? It's a lot. I, I can't get too ahead of myself or it becomes too much. They're all, he's only five. Um, but instead of worrying about each of the, that, each new step, I want to choose to help them be confident and give them tools to look out for themselves and be thoughtful around the, about the world around them. And then how about that trap of comparison? I mean, like parent or not, we all get into it. You got Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest and TikTok and YouTube and you name it. There's a hundred different things. And we all look out at every mom that we know and a hundred others that we don't know. And (laughs) they're posting their clean houses and their toddlers playing quietly in the corner and everyone's smiling and their matching family like outfits and those picture perfect crafts. Like none of that exists in my life. I think we all intellectually know that this is the highlight reel, right? Like we talk about that. We're not, but we all do the same thing. Like nobody's taking pictures of the normal hard everyday moments because you're just trying to get through them. But then we, that knowledge gets lost as we like, you look down at the dried go-go squeeze on the rug or the pile of the little tiny toys that I literally just put away and then you threw again on the floor. And then I open my phone and then think, how could I ever measure up to her? But, some, and so, but Jesus tells us, stop allowing yourself to be agitated. So if you feel crappy every time you open your phone to scroll, like stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's hard. It's, it's always easier said than done, but just like do it. <laughs> Honestly, if you were to delete the things that are making you feel like mm-hmm. you don't measure up, whether it's for 24 hours or a week or for good, I mean, it's going to free your mind from that comparison trap and from the shame, and it just helps you let it go. So instead of comparing myself to that unrealistic image of whatever a good mom is supposed to be, I'm constantly being let down because I'm not those things. I want to choose contentment and joy and peace and confidence and authenticity. Because at the end of the day, being authentically me, allowing myself to be seen for who I truly am and asking for what I need... That's a brave choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Um, thank you guys so much. We're going to have, I guess, Colette's going to come up here. But let me just pray for everybody here today. Like, we talked about bravery. We've talked about being brave women. And I just want to pray for everybody, just that, that, you know, the things that are in your heart, that God's going to help you step out and do them. So let's just pray together. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for every woman here right now, Lord God. Every single one of us, Father, we thank you. You've put courage within us. you put bravery within us. You've put ideas within us, Lord God, that you've put things in our heart that you want us to do. And Father, we thank you, Lord God. We're gonna step into your purpose and your calling and be women of God and women of adventure and bravery. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right.